0: welcome to this episode of Guest Practices. The fast pace of how we live and work today is driving business into incremental and radical change as a constant. The pandemic has accelerated the need to transform and fast track the must-dos already on the agenda for the decade ahead and beyond. Not just about digital transformation and workforce transformation, but new hybrid office working. How organisations mobilise, engage, communicate with, drive collaboration across their human capital, either permanent or independent workers, is absolutely key. And then, of course, with your customers. This starts with open conversations and lines of communication. We need to rethink how we use communication as the glue to bind together a distributed workforce and flexible hybrid working. Where do we start? How do we do it? Who owns it? And uh, how do we know it's working? Well, my two guests today are experts in this field. It's Don Rapley and Emma Naguchi from Transform Your Conversations, TYC. TYC helps organisations create a conversation culture and transform the way leaders interact with their teams. Don is an experienced business leader, executive coach, and leadership development specialist, and he brings unique experience and understanding of working in a multicultural diverse environment across six continents. Emma is a senior consultant, trainer and also an executive coach and her mission is to prepare leaders for the challenges of the 21st century. She helps them become more agile, more aware, more authentic, all about who they are and how they interact with others. Together they both believe that communication is the glue for organizations today and tomorrow. Let's find out more. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Guest Practices. It's so great to have Emma and Don here. And I'd love you to start by introducing yourselves. And I'll start with you, Emma. Please tell us a little bit about yourself, your expertise, and your company, Transform Your Conversations, TYC, and why that's so relevant for now.
1: Mm, Thank you, Jeremy. And really good to to be here uh, with you today. So my name is Emma. I've been, uh, well, I'm currently uh, living in Singapore for close to 15 years now, but I'm originally from Europe, from France. And um, <clears throat> yeah, I've gone through a number of different roles and jobs in the corporate world, mainly in the media and uh, advertising industry for a number of years before moving to uh, management consulting and uh, HR consulting. And, and currently I do uh, <clears throat> full-time work in coaching and training space and facilitation, and really enjoy it, especially now that we are going really all virtual um, and, and with the current context, the pandemic, I think it's it changes a lot of how we interact with our clients. And there's a lot of things to be relearned or to be retrained around the topic of conversations. So it's really it's really what I'm passionate about.
2: Yeah, so um, I I'm English and half Dutch. That's where I generally start. So I, was, I sort of worked in multicultural uh, environments, not just as a kid and as a teenager, but my, my, in, in the first job I was doing in the retail business, where I was working for Marks & Spencer in Compton Europe, developing the chain in France, Belgium and Spain. So when I moved into coaching and, uh, and training, it was a sort of continuation of that. And I, I've been doing senior leadership roles, executive coaching and leadership development, for over 35 years now. I don't know where the time's gone. Um, in 2008, I discovered Asia and set up my training business here a few years later in, in Singapore and then relocated permanently from Paris in 2016. And I guess the, 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 the vibrancy of Asia, being able to help local organisations develop their leadership talent, um, helping them to get uh, insights into um you know the Western way of doing things. So working for big MNCs that really was a, a very big thing for me. Um, and yes, yeah, so I've been I've been here for for a while. Um, and TYC was was born about uh, three four years ago. And and transform your conversations is about empowering leaders, helping them to get the conversation skills to engage with their teams, and also to drive business performance. Because I think there's a, a very strong link with that. And our our virtual, our in-person programs, our leadership conversation modules, which is what our business is built around. Um, it, it's around helping teams to, and leaders in particular, to maximize collaboration, um, to get alignment around goals and performance uh, through powerful performance conversations. That's one of the key things that we do. But it's also about growing talents, helping, providing opportunities for, uh, for their teams to grow. Um, But also, increasingly, we're working on the coaching mindset, developing coaching skills for leaders to help to engage, motivate and empower their teams. So that's what we do. That's uh, that's basically what we're doing here. And uh, Emma and I have just been on a workshop this morning where we've been doing exactly that, using all of those things to help, help teams to be even more more effective through powerful conversations.
0: Well, in fact, let's just go into that a little bit further with you, Don, and then I'll come back to Emma as well, because within those modules, I know you talk about conversation culture being a really important kind of glue that holds all this together. Mm. So can you tell us a little bit more about what that is and how yeah. it benefits the organisation, the leaders particularly, but also the overall yeah. workforce? Yeah. So,
2: yeah, I I think I'd describe a conversation culture as um, – when you've got people at all levels in an organisation who are curious, they want to learn from each other, they want to get new perspectives, they're talking with each other, not just at each other. And I know that sounds obvious, but it, but surprisingly, it's quite difficult to make that happen. Um, and culture comes when leaders are able to be a role model and demonstrate the type of behaviours that I've just described. Um, but we find that, um, you know, often leaders don't have the confidence or the skills to be able to do that. They don't know what a good question looks like. They do more talking than listening. But when it's done right, it can be of a huge benefit to an organization because what it does, it builds trust. I think that's a really key thing. If you've got people talking to each other, understanding where they're coming from, our experience is that it leads to higher engagement and it enables growth and development and it can help Seems to solve problems, there's a whole stack of uh, really good examples of how that can help. And I guess a, a tangible example of, of that would, in an organisation is Action Learning Conversations, where we've done on several occasions in the past where we've shown groups of peer groups uh, at leadership level to be able to work together to build their coaching skills and really to help to develop that conversation culture within their organisation.
0: Yeah that makes a lot of sense actually and perhaps Emma uh, you know you, I'm sure you'll ha- you'll have a perspective as well what would you like to add to that
1: Yeah I would I would add the uh, <clears throat> the uh, the element of of safety and psychological safety mm. that's a buzzword that we uh, we we read a lot about these days and uh, I think when conversations are done well and and, and skillfully they they open up a, a whole new level of awareness for employees for managers to be more aware of of what's really going on and how to help um how to help employees with with whatever's going through and, and currently the context of the pandemic is I think it has it has um yeah it has highlighted that need to also have those caring conversation about well-being about how do we deal with anxiety and stress that um yeah so it's really important
0: well you 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 bring out some really important words here, and I'm I'm a I'm a, a big fan of uh, Amy Edmondson's work as well. And psychological safety has, of course, come front and center in many organizations this year. But awareness, caring, these kind of things weren't usually what we were talking about pre-pandemic, even though we were going through such a transformational period within our organization so maybe I'll keep with you Emma on this one mm. and and go into the pandemic because out of this now the new normal looks like hybrid working the hybrid office so it could be the best of both worlds bit in the office bit in remote, or perhaps it's a huge risk we don't know so what would you say the role of communication and particularly open conversations plays in helping to establish that and gluing the whole organization together particularly Mm. from a distributed workforce point of view as well as what you've got in the office
1: Mm. yes i think it's it's really going to reinforce the hopefully the awareness of the importance of of conversations because in a in a hybrid model uh, there's a lot of um of aspects of working together that will become very uh, probably a bit more uncertain a bit unclear things will not be as obvious as as when everybody's in one same uh, space one room and and a lot of uh, those conversations, we have to make things a bit more visible a bit clearer about um, what works better for for all employees? How are we going to continue to have a high high collaboration, high team spirit, knowing that we are now distributed? Um, and what are the implications? And and so I think conversation will have a, an even more critical um, aspect to really bring that uh, uh, yeah that awareness and, and clarity.
0: Yeah, and I think the the. You, you're so right. I think with with this hybrid working, potentially there is more ambiguity, less clarity, and that really is the, the red thread of that is communication. Mm-hmm. Then how mm-hmm. we collaborate together and so on. Uh, yeah. Don, maybe you can add to this and give us yeah. some examples of you know how do we know when this is going right and uh, poten- potentially when it's going wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm I'm
2: actually quite surprised because hybrid seems to be working. Uh, and although some companies are saying they want to go back, actually, employees like the flexibility to work when they want and how they want. Um, but you know, hybrid isn't working on your own. And clearly, there are organizations who are creating space for people to collaborate, not just in person, but also online. Um, and there's still a very strong need for people to be able to work on projects together, um, but also spaces where you can be on your own. Um, we did a panel event recently for the, uh, for the British Chamber with senior leaders from Microsoft, from Arup, and from Prudential, and they're all saying the same thing. Um, first of all, that tech can enable uh, hybrid working like it's never done before, uh, but also you need to have the human focus, and I think that's the really difficult thing that you need to get right, creating space for open communication, collaboration, and engaging conversations, not just in the office but also online. So to answer your question, I think when it works well, um, what we're seeing is that organizations have got clear, transparent communication. They're they're clear about people's scope, what they expect from their teams, um, what are the deliverables, what are the performance criteria. I think that's important in any situation, but I think that's even more crucial now in hybrid working. So I think that's that's the first thing. The second one is about people. And and Emma, I've developed this a lot in our our programs that um, leaders need to show a genuine interest in their people. And when they do, it works. They're able to develop empathy. They're showing a humbleness, which maybe wasn't needed as much before, but now it's absolutely crucial. They need to show that they're vulnerable um, and to be genuinely interested in how their people are doing. What are they up to? What are their challenges? What support do they need? So that's the second one around and people. And I think um, the third one is around feedback. You know, the with, with hybrids with people working from home, you need to vastly increase the frequency of your conversations. You need to give people feedback on projects. You need two-way discussions. You need to find out what's going on, what could be improved. So I think there's a there's a there's a, a real need to ratchet up the, the level of communication. Um, and you know when, when we talk we were talking about what what doesn't work well it's probably a bit of the opposite of, of that you know if you if we talk about scope you know when there's lack of clarity and people can't see what the hell's going on um that's when things start to go wrong um when it comes to people if people are paying lip service to well-being the, the theme that emma developed um An example, allowing their teams to work incredibly long hours and not really being interested in the impact that that has, that doesn't work. Um, And, you know, we've seen examples where, you know, it's one way communication, infrequent opportunities to open up. And what happens there is that, you know, the conversations close down and it's a a very, um, it's a very, it's a downward spiral when that starts to happen. People switch off. They turn up to meetings without their cameras on or they're they're disengaged in the conversation and they just let things go. So there's downsides to that as well.
0: Yeah, and there's a few really important points there. In the first thing that you said is a bugbear of mine, which is while it's common in terms of language that we talk about, when you have a mentality of, oh, I can't wait to go back to normal. Then you're potentially ignoring a lot of what has been achieved out of the pandemic. In fact, the pandemic has been the biggest accelerator of digital transformation in the last 10 years since the iPhone was launched. Um, and that's where you say tech has now been seen as the enabler, not as an issue or not another systems integration that we need to do within our organization. That with the human touch, as you so rightly said, I think is the is the the winning combination. Um, but the the, the terminology that I love most that you talked about there was the breathing space, giving yeah. ourselves breathing space for conversations and communication to happen, particularly mm-hmm. in the hybrid workplace, when we've got, you know, again, ambiguity, lack of clarity in some quarters, we need to get on top of that. Um, and you reinforce. A few things that leaders are needing to adapt to now, which are these human centered <clears throat> leadership traits, empathy, being humble, being more vulnerable, uh, you know, demonstrating or being open with their vulnerability, being more human, um, essentially. <clears throat> you mentioned I'm just going to come to Emma, just a, a quick question, because you talked about the well-being and uh, mm-hmm. the wellness. I'm sorry, this is jump, jumping into uh, Emma here on. On a question here, but I'm interested from your experience because I know you do a lot of work in this area. Mm-hmm. Um, how has well being, uh, from the very best companies that have really focused on this, not paying lip service, said what benefits have you seen uh, in organizations that you work with of having a really clear and thought through policy and action behind well being? Hmm. That's a big one.
1: <laughs> I'd, I'd yeah, like sorry. to share. Uh, no, 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 no. Thank you. An anecdote uh, that was very touching from one of my clients uh, who works for one of the big uh, technology company, most advanced, very attractive company. That one of them that everybody wants to join. I'm not going to name it. And and she shared that she's a very senior leader, VP level, and she doesn't doesn't share much about her personal life to her teams. It's just it's just her her approach. And, and um she's from europe originally and after two years being in singapore she she decided to go back uh, to her to her home country primarily to look after her father who has alzheimer' and she did share that with her team for the first time um and 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 why she she's going to spend a number of months actually in europe and work remotely and the effect that it had was that everybody was very uh, first surprise that their boss opened up, um, and, um, and and they started sharing their own stories. You know, looking after an ailing parent, or you know, dealing with with uh, wellness and well being issues. And and she was amazed. She said, "I never knew that all these conversations were waiting for me to for my openness." And she realized that yeah, it had triggered that open space and breathing space, as you mentioned. So um, the good thing is that a lot of of, of corporations and, and and companies are are now more and more aware and are really putting budget behind efforts to create activities, uh, you know, policies for the employees' well-being. It's, it's now probably the number one priority for most HR departments. Um, they, they're hiring coaches, training companies to, to really help on that front. And that's very promising. So it's, it's a really good sign and very much needed in my personal opinion.
0: Yes, I couldn't agree with you more. It is and the the very best in class organizations who are actually living and breathing this and walking the talk around it are those that are -hmm. becoming more attractive, as among other other measures, to prospective employees, but also from a retention perspective. You know, uh, know, there are a lot of people looking out there, how have organizations treated their employees through the pandemic and uh, as we move into this new normal? So thank you very much for that slight diversion uh, there, Emma. So yeah. so for those, for those leaders who are tuning into this, Don, what are the three or four <laughs> tips that you could provide to help them get started in adopting a conversation culture as yeah. the glue for communication across the business, whether they're moving to a hybrid model, whether they're um, looking to for office working or continuing remote working for a while?
2: Yeah, yeah. So it's quite an easy one for, for us because we've both been inspired by um, a, a guy who you probably know who's Michael Bungay Stanier. His best-selling book, The Coaching Habit, has really been an inspiration for us and helped us to move some of our conversations uh, uh, towards the, the the coaching mindset, to be more coach-like in, in your conversations. So I, I think that to create a conversation culture... Uh, There's two or three things that leaders can do. I think the first one is talking less and listening more. And we said earlier on, giving people space. Let your teams develop their ideas and their perspectives. And that's a really hard thing to do if you're a talker. But talk less, listen more. That would be a first recommendation that I make that anybody can do. Um second one comes back to what I was saying earlier, talk frequently. Increase the number of conversations that you're having with your team. Be curious. Find out what people are up to, what their challenges are. And like Emma just gave a great example, you will be staggered by what comes out when you start to show a genuine interest, a bit of humility, really being curious about what's going on with your team. It will open up the conversation. And I I guess the third one I would say is to practice because this doesn't just come, you know, it's not something you can tick and say, okay, done, we have a conversation culture. This is a long, long journey for many organizations. So it needs feedback. um, It needs you to share with your teams, this is why we're doing it. This is how we're going to do it. I need your input. So you need to get them on board and do this together. This is not something you as a leader that you could just do on your own. It needs... Everybody in your team to start with, and then other teams will follow suit. that's, and that's, that's three tips.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, and I've I've split them into four actually. While I oh, was right. listening yeah, to you yeah. there, it's okay? okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, because I think three. So I think that yes, because I think the 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 last piece about practice can sit sit aside the human bit Uh, I know you talked about the coaching culture but space frequency human and practice is what I really took out of there is the you know that that's uh, and we know we know we know that talking less and listening more for some leaders and some managers is probably the most uh, important challenge to tackle there but yes, the frequency and that, again, that human centered skills coming to the fore. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a piece of research this year that reinforces that point. And we call, we call it the enlightened leader. It's a more enlightened leadership age. And yeah. some need to practice that, you know. Um, and it goes back to the culture. and it did remind me when you were talking about uh, talking at the beginning around Carol Dweck's work uh, around growth mindsets. You know, this is at the heart mm-hmm. of this as much as the coaching culture. So thanks for those tips, uh, Don. And let me come to you, Emma, now, because uh, I think uh, there there is always a flip side to these things. So what are the traps to be avoided um, that can help fast track success? Because I'm sure that you you have experienced both in some of the organizations that you've been dealing with.
1: Mm -hmm i think i would i would always invite uh, managers and leaders to 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 be aware of of assumptions that they may have biases um and and really invite uh, a two way conversation with whoever they are they're interacting with um, to kind of check in keep them yeah, check in uh, their assumptions and, and really ask the, the person to, to share more about what's working for them. In a hybrid work, uh, work, workplace, there's a lot of, uh, of things that are going to be much more invisible. And so checking in with each employees about their formula of working, what, what, what time is the best for them to be at peak performance and so on and so forth, will have to be kind of unearthed in order to, to, to enable enable performance, especially working as a team with different people, different styles. So, so constantly inviting dialogue and checking assumptions, I, I, I suppose, would, would help uh, leaders avoid those traps especially in a a hybrid model.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think it's that simple thing about, let's just share more. Uh, particularly yeah. in a hybrid model, um, that uh, I, I love the terminology there that, that you came up with that invisibility, that hybrid invisibility because it we we know that even this year, I think for those people that aren't getting the support or who aren't comfortable with it, it's easy to hide and easy to sort of get lost in the mix sometimes as well because uh, you don't even see the cries for help. You don't even hear them, particularly um, leaders and managers who may be not so aware of what's going on at a human level. At their team, yeah. not just with their preoccupation of uh, of business survival, which many have been through, as we know.
1: Is there um, something I can add? Yes, Sorry, please Jamie. do. Go ahead. Uh, I I I also believe that um, leaders will have to communicate a bit more about about what's coming, even though it might be highly uncertain because i think one of the the biggest cause of stress and anxiety for people is is the is not knowing not knowing what's coming the unpredictability of things that that's highly um difficult to handle uh, generally and so yes f- frequent communication and even if 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 we don't know, if the leader doesn't know what's three months down the road, six months down the road is going to happen, because everything is so volatile these days. But, but sharing that in itself is going to be very, uh, very, uh, very helpful, so that the team knows that okay, uh, whether they work from home or, or, or partly from the mm-hmm. office, we're all in the same boat and, and moving forward. So I think that aspect of what's mm-hmm. coming or the future, as much as we can share about, is, is also an important part of. The communication
0: yeah. uh, Don did you want to add anything?
2: No, no, I think that's a really I think that's a really good point. It's the um, you know the the clarity not just about what we do know but what we don't know. I think if if you can build a trustful relationship with your teams and be open and honest and find out what people's concerns are if they are if the future is uncertain, so what exactly is concerning you? I think an open conversation can sometimes. You know, just that you're available and you're ready to listen and you can reflect back on what's been said, it doesn't solve the issue. It doesn't take away the uncertainty or the ambiguity. But the fact that you've got a, a leader who is there and ready to support you in that ambiguity, I think that's a, a really good point that Emma makes.
0: And we're 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 skirting around the terminology of VUCA, aren't we? The volatile, yeah, uncertain, complex, you know, yeah. ambiguous. But but I've added a D to this.
2: Um, yes, I call yes. it
0: VUCAD now because it's distributed okay. as well. But Emma, you have just added another U, which okay. is unpredictability or unpredictable <laughs> as well. It. I love it. So we've just invented a brand new model or evolved one. Well <laughs> done, everybody! <laughs> so, it Could be, be a song, <laughs> couldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Yes, I, that's exactly right. We could build on that. Well, that's for that's perhaps for the next video cast that okay. we do. But look. Okay. Thank you so much for both of you to join us. And maybe if I can just, uh, I'm sure a lot of people are very interested in what you have to say here. So where do they go to find out more and how can they get in touch with you?
2: Okay, so TYC, Transform Your Conversations. Um, You can go onto our website, conversations.com.sg because we're based in Singapore. Uh, You can reach out to me uh, at don at conversations.com.sg uh, be very happy to have a conversation to just to share a few things, maybe take, take, uh, take the conversation a little bit further. So very happy, happy to do that. And uh, yeah, reach out.
1: <laughs> yes. We're also on LinkedIn and I think we have a we're LinkedIn, both on LinkedIn page as well. Of course, how
2: could I forget LinkedIn? Of course, we're both on LinkedIn as well. Yeah.
0: yeah. Right. And LinkedIn is the perfect hopping on point, I guess, and then into your, into your website. So we'll make sure that these are all on the screen now as uh, people yeah. are watching. So they, please do get in touch. So thank you, both of you, for joining us. That's been a fascinating conversation. Thank
1: Great. you, Jeremy.
2: Well, thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, indeed. Thank
0: you. Thanks, Emma. Thank you for joining our Guest Practices videocast. Please do subscribe to our YouTube channel through the link below or check out our
2: website to access more in our current series of expert interviews.